From the Oxano Podcast Network, welcome to My Ministry Breakthrough, hosted by me, Brian Rose. This podcast is all about pastors sharing unfiltered stories of moments large and small, of times when the fog of ministry chaos clears and breakthrough clarity happens. How, how much time I've spent beating myself up for what I wasn't and what I couldn't do and what I might not, you know, don't turn your mouth against yourself. Find out who you are and then let just let that grow in light of who the Father has made you. Speak to that man the way the Father's speaking to you. Believe him for all he's put in your heart. And uh, you'll end up seeing those dreams come to fruition. You'll be at the end going, man, I'm glad I didn't sabotage myself getting there. I probably have a few times, but I'm saying ultimately I didn't. And uh, I can say, Lord, you've been so faithful. It's been more than I could have dreamed. Someone asked me not too long ago, if I only had a few words to talk about this podcast, what would I say? At its core, my ministry breakthrough is about pastors encouraging other pastors, church leaders inspiring other church leaders. I guess our hope is, is that somehow in some way in one story being shared, other stories may be strengthened. So thanks again for listening. Our guest in this episode of my ministry breakthrough is a church planter 30 years into his church plant. Cal Reichener launched Northwoods Community Church in 1990, right at the onset of the seeker-driven movement. Inspired by a young pastor at the time, he heard on the radio named Bill Hybels. Maybe you've heard of him. You see, Cal, like so many other leaders with a heart for reaching the unchurched, founded Northwoods on the evangelistic, doing church in a completely new way that we've ever done it before, DNA of Willow Creek. Even if, as he came to realize 27 years in, it meant denying a bit of his own personal call to pursue someone else's definition of success. Not that Northwoods hasn't been successful in reaching people. They've just not been who God called them uniquely, specifically, and even provisionally to be. So a couple big questions come up as we talk in this episode. What does a church working hard to be like Willow and Gateway and Church of the Highlands do to transition and finally become a church like no other? What does a five-campus multi-site church well on the way to launching 10 to 15 more campuses do when the leader reveals that he doesn't really believe that multi-site is the most effective way to reach people in their context? And he wants to start raising up pastors and planting churches instead. In this episode, you will hear a pastor look back over three decades of ministry and cast his faith forward for the next three decades ahead. He speaks directly to young pastors, to hurting pastors, and any leader who is restless toward their calling in Christ. So lean in and listen up to My Ministry Breakthrough with Cal Reichner, founding pastor of Northwoods Community Church in Peoria, Illinois. Thanks for being on the podcast. It's great to have you here. And uh, we're sitting here in Northwoods. Northwoods Community Church, Peoria, Illinois. We're actually in the kind of the bowels of Northwoods. We're in the bowels of Northwoods. Where this, are uh, we? Where we, is this room right we now? We're down off the green room, and there's tunnels that run there. down through here. Very few people have sat in this, this room. It feels right like right under here. Disney World. <laughs> it really does. I expect to see a character walk by, 
or somebody like that. This You're is where the, all the magic happens at Northwoods, right? Well, not all the magic, but okay. yeah, this very few people have been in here, Brian. Yeah. You're you're one of the well, special ones I, to get to be in here. It, I'm tingling. I can feel it. I can <laughs> I can see that. Tell us a little bit about Northwoods. Give us a quick three minute snapshot of Northwoods. Yeah. How 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 did it start? Give us just you know, tell us your story. Northwoods probably I, I say it started out of almost like a depression because I was five years in ministry. I'm this young pastor, and I'm like. God, I can't do this the rest of my life. Every Monday, I'm like on my face going, why am I not fulfilled? Even though there's good things happening in the church. And then I heard a, uh, a at that time, as a radio program while I was on vacation, heading back up through the Cumberland Gaps. I remember where I was on Route 75, headed up to Fort Wayne, Indiana, which was where I was ministering at the time. And it was James Dobson interviewing Bill Hybels, this young pastor who had found a way to reach unchurched people through through his church. Yeah. And that ignited something in me. I was I, I was literally in tears as I was listening. Do you remember any of the language? Do you remember any of the words or was it just how he was saying it? Yeah, it was just that they when he was telling the stories about reaching unchurched people and having created a place so that we're not preaching to the choir but we're bringing people who need mm-hmm. Christ. My heart was just like, "Oh my gosh. You mean we can do that?" And I just remember saying, Lord, if he's speaking to how I'm wired, I I wasn't even sure that I would become a pastor back in the day. I I wanted to be like an itinerant evangelist, just get people across the line and then let somebody else grow. That's kind of how I was wired. And uh, man, to hear somebody doing that through a local church. uh, And so I said, Lord, if I could ever be a part of something like that, I wasn't wired leadership wise. So I'm going to go out and make that happen. Yeah, yeah. But I just lived with that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And knowing that if I tried that in the church I was in, I'd probably blow it up. And God hadn't called me to blow up churches. I now, were you a senior pastor yeah, at that church? Yeah, a senior church? pastor okay. at that so, church. And, yeah. and, and then a, a, let's just say it was laid in my lap. We're going to be planting a new church out in Peoria, Illinois, which was a much larger city. Who was we, planting that? that? That was our, our denomination okay. at that time, the Evangelical yeah. Mennonite Church. We're just called the Fellowship of Evangelical Churches today. But the outgoing president, incoming president, there was a transition there. They came to me and said, we just really believe that your gifts are what we need there because we're inviting, we've called 3,500 people that don't go to church and told them about a church that we're going to plant. There had been, uh, I forget, thousands of calls into the community. Do you have a a church, if they said yes, we said, bless you, keep going. If they said no, would you like to hear about a new one that's starting up? We'd love to send you literature. And we had like, before we ever started our church, we had like 3,500 people in a database that were saying, let me know, I might come. And so wherever this was tried, about 10% of those interested people would actually come their very first day. Okay. We had 360 people on my very first day. Wow. 331, I'm sorry. And what, when was this? Evangelistically speaking. Evangelistically speaking, yeah. When, when was this? That was 1990. 1990. And then, uh, and then I've been here 28 years. We've transitioned a lot. We're no longer that pure seeker type thing, you know, but, but man, we are still seeing more people saved, more people baptized, this type of thing. It's been the ride of my life. Got to turn 60 here in a couple of weeks. And I look back and go, did you ever dream? And I'm like, well, this is kind of what I would have hoped, but I've kind of gotten to live out my dream. And yeah. I know that the gospel works and I've seen lots of people yeah. get saved and transformed. And we've just worked a whole lot harder on the other side of that. We are a place. We're not only reaching them, but we're really, you know, growing them up, getting them free, as yeah. we'll talk about. Yeah. 
and and really helping them walk uh, walk with the Lord. So yeah, twenty eight years of doing that, and uh, and we've we've become a our our denomination's first mega church, as they call them, you know that type of thing. We didn't set out to do that. We just we were just trying to be faithful to the Lord, and He's given amazing growth. And of course, He put us in a place where it was large enough that those kind of things could happen. We're we're a very rural. Yeah, uh, denomination. Peoria is so Peoria was like yeah. the first big city we went into. We're only like you know, Peoria is one hundred and ten thousand or whatever. Right. So somebody that's in New York, what big city? What are you talking about? But that was big. You know, I grew up in a town of thirty five hundred. Yeah. Church was five hundred. That's pretty good in that town. But a t- church of five hundred was huge. I mean, that, those were the largest churches we had. So nineteen ninety, three hundred and twenty to three hundred and sixty. 321. I'm sorry, 331 were there the very 331 first day. the first day. And probably 60 of those were from the the mother church yeah, to help plant yeah. us because we needed where where do you get your, you know, your yeah. children's workers and your ushers and greeters and all those type of people. And uh so probably 260 wow. first timers. And I'm telling you, Brian, for 15 years it was up and to the right. We didn't even have to work at it. Really? We, we were adding. You know, people, you hear people adding thousands today. I, uh, that was beyond our comprehension. But, I mean, we were we were adding, on average, probably 200 a year. A good year would be 350, maybe a lighter year, 150. Mm. But we weren't even have to work at it. It was just, people were so excited about what we were doing. About the style was, of church, yes, the it was way you guys were. The way we communicated. Yeah. We were, people would always say about the messages, man, I feel like I can go out of here and I, I, I know what to do this week. Because I know, you know, you're not just yeah. telling me to overcome anxiety or whatever, you, you've yeah. given me some tools for how to do that, you know? And uh, so, yeah. And then, of course, we were doing all the drama and all that type of stuff. So, too. kind of the Willow model. Yeah, it was but, kind of the Willow yeah. model. We were pure Willow model for, okay. for I'm going to say, up until 2006. And By pure Willow model, what do you mean? That was mean the weekend, we would explain, is really for you to bring your unchurched friends. Mm-hmm. And Wednesday night is for where, where, where we're so going to. we had midweek. We had midweek. Yeah. And we're going to take believers deeper. Yeah. So that's that's what we were doing, and then, uh, that, well, we can talk about that yeah. later in terms of uh, of the the transitions that happened. Yeah. Let's talk about those. Time. Give us a snapshot, real quick, though. Where is Northwoods today? Give us a picture of Northwoods today. Well, today, uh, I'd probably take some definition, but we are what I call a word and spirit church. Okay. We we are. I, I used to say it this way: we used to invite people in the seeker movement, and, and thank God He blessed it. Yeah. it. Wasn't that there wasn't good stuff happening? I would just say there wasn't enough stuff happening. <laughs> but it was kind of like we're ta- telling people, God's sitting on that couch over there. We want you to know about him. Yeah, Wouldn't that be great? And you can get to know him, and here's how you get to know him. Right. We move from what we called kind of program-driven to presence-driven. Okay. Presence-driven is come sit in his lap. Okay. Don't. We're not just going to tell you about him. We want you to come and experience him. And so the, the more that began to morph— the more our Wednesday night and our Sunday morning were starting to look like the same thing. And we said, we don't need both. That's just, yeah. It seems Sunday if, morning came deeper. Yes. Wednesday night became more open to. Yeah. We just, know, we just yeah. didn't need, we just didn't yeah. need it anymore. It was like multiplying what we were doing, yeah. uh, creating more time and this type of thing. And so we were finding that if we were still teaching in a way that was really relevant, we, we can, you can go deep. Mm-hmm. As long as you're acknowledging that there's, I'm doing a warfare series right now, and I kind of got the idea. I mean, it was it's deeper than I, I'm going to guarantee you. I went deeper yeah. this past weekend than most churches have ever gone in warfare. Yeah. yeah. 
And I was feeling, you know what? I really need to wrap up and just let people know that if you don't know Jesus, you know, the Bible says you're still living in the kingdom of darkness. You may not even know Hmm. that you've been blinded by the evil one. But you still have a choice. He yeah. can't keep you from making a choice. And you yeah. just, you can you can go from that kingdom to this one. If you just invite Jesus in your life, you know, this type of thing. And I'm going just, just that, like, I'm going to do that for two minutes at the end of the service, you know. Another 60-some people. Wow. Ushered in the kingdom this, this weekend, you know. And, but to see, uh, you know, our Christmas production, well, last year we saw a thousand people take their yes back and say, I started a relationship with Christ. We're still, see, even though we've transitioned, and 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 so we used to say, you can come and you don't have to sing anything, say anything, sign anything, or give anything. It's kind of like people don't want to engage. Today, I'm like, you know, if they're really true seekers. They're not uh, afraid of that. They're right? not afraid of that. Yeah. I think they're coming to say, man, I want yeah. to get to know who if this is. They're coming to church. To, I, I, I think in this, in this season of the church, if people are coming through the doors, yeah, they're looking for something. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Brian. Yeah. And so we we now have just great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm saying, worship. Just yeah. bring Lord. We want to experience your presence here. And then you know, I would say that the teaching is much more believer focused. Yeah. It's for maturing those who know Christ. But we haven't forgotten about still talk with the absolutely. acknowledging hey, pain some of you room. aren't there yeah. yet. Let me help you, you know, yeah. help you understand yeah. this or, and doing some topical message that are more, Hey, bring your friends. Cause this is really going to be for them. So we, we can do that balance of bring and build and bring and yeah. build and this type of thing. And so we're a lot more like that rather than just, we used to say, you know, we're, we're a Billy Graham evangelistic crusade at the same address every right. week, you know, type of thing. <laughs> And so, no, we're just going deeper. But here's the thing. We're seeing more people saved, and we see more people baptized than we ever have. Wow. So, What what was behind that shift, or or what was going on maybe in your heart as a leader, maybe within the leadership team, when you guys moved from that seeker-driven to that Mm presence-driven— Give me what was going on in that season. What led you toward that? It was it was three years of what I call being in a desert. And I'd say to every leader, listen to your desert. Listen to your desert. What do you mean? Uh, when I, when, you know where Jesus, where, where the Lord shaped people was out in the desert? Hmm. And and when, I, when the desert's happening in your heart, it's that place that you've come into a dry time and the stuff that used to excite you isn't exciting you anymore. Better be listening to that. I was in that for three years. You're and saying I, when you enter the desert, it's not something to be feared. Right. The Lord wants yeah. to teach you there. And yeah. he's taking you there for a reason. Okay. And I didn't know that. So I'm going, what's wrong with me? I'm here. More people are coming to Christ. We're doing all the same things, all the same things. But thing. yet you on here's the what, inside. Here's what happened. I, I realized that I was hiding a whole dimension of the Christian life that was very, very important to me. And that people are not going to get the maturity they need if they don't know about the power of the Holy Spirit that is available to not only forgive their sin, but to break the power of those chains mm. that could release them into incredible, I'm, I'm not a cessationist, but yeah. our denomination was. Right. I was convinced that, man, God's still moving through the gifts. He's still healing. It, okay. I, but, I, you know, you see craziness yeah. there sometimes. It's like, why can't we be a balanced church that gives expression? I call it word and spirit. Marry right. the word and the spirit together. And that was all in my heart because my life has been, I, I mean, people who know me, they say, Kelly, you have more miracles in your life than anybody I've ever known. Yeah. And some of that has just been, I've just, I just believe the stories in the Bible. That's our God. He does yeah. this stuff. I expect him to, and he does, you know, not that I mean that I've ever gotten everything I always wanted. I'm not talking about that, but 
I'm like, I want people to experience him the way I've experienced him. And, and there is some teaching around that that helps people get there. And so this is almost like a whole theological shift that had to happen. I lost people. Yeah, that I was going like, to say, that's a risky— Oh, we're going, we're going charismatic. We're going— Pente- No, 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 no. I'm just, hey, we don't have to make it about whether you speak in tongues and all that type of stuff. And, you know, I was Mennonite. I call myself Mennocostal. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, uh, I'm talking about quit, quit elevating different gifts and this and that and making it— You know, that's where it gets weird. Yeah. Let's just talk about the power of the Holy— You can't read the New Testament. Right without understanding that we're dealing with power here that can change things. And it manifests and it's real and this type of thing. So I knew I knew I would be praying behind the scenes for people who maybe were dying and asking God for a miracle in their life. And I, I had learned, some of my vineyard friends had kind of taught me a model. I would flown to all kinds of places. I was never teaching the church about that kind of stuff. And I go, why not? Well, that you know, that might was it the was it the seeker driven model yeah. that really kind of almost stifled that a little bit yep. because you didn't want to be unfriendly. Well, because to you the see models of weirdness on television, yeah, yeah, and you don't want people to think, well, that's what I'm getting into, and some of that. Time. But I say, well, why why does it have to be weird? Why can't we be balanced but biblical about yeah. all of this? And I go, who needs that power more than people who have lived their lives in the world and come to Christ? And what we're telling them, that the moment you step across the line of faith, that that's about where it ends. Yeah. And they're going, I'm still addicted. Right, right. So my question was, I mean, that's one of our values now, right. forgiveness and freedom. Right. And word and spirit is another and value. And word and spirit. Yeah. And we, we used to, I mean, think about the hymns we grew up on. There's a hymn that just exploded in my mind. And it does today, even though we don't sing a lot of hymns around here. All hail the power of Jesus' name. There's a verse that says, he breaks the power of canceled sin. Right. And I go, he does? We would sing about that. But I can tell you in the churches I grew up in, there were a lot of people in secret going, I'm not sure the gospel's working because I know I'm forgiven and I know I'm going to heaven. But there's still a lot of power to the sin that I'm dragging around with me. Didn't feel free. I'm not free. Hmm. It hasn't been broken in my life. So we tell people, he didn't just come to forgive you. Yeah. He came to set you free. And it was through working with you guys that we finally, I was telling Brian, we, you know, we got we got away from just quoting somebody else's mission statement to finally creating our own. You mean bring and, in, bring in now Will Mancini and I. You know, inside baseball here, Will Mancini and I got to work with you guys. Yep. Over the, it's going on a couple of years yep. now yep. that we've been or four. serving alongside you guys. Yep. But a few years ago, um, you reached out, you know, and it was, I guess in your words, time to start using, stop using someone else's language. What was what was going on there? Well, well, what was going on there, I had read uh, God Dreams. Okay. And we started, we got in the room and started trying to do that ourselves. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm going to stop right there and just say to any young pastor who's, who's, listening to me right now, if I could talk to myself at 30 or 31 when I started this church, I would say never be without a swing coach. Like Tiger Woods is one of the greatest in the world, but he's always had a swing coach. He was always working on that swing. Always, He needed somebody outside to help him. I'm not claiming to be Tiger Woods in the church world. I'm just saying you need somebody who knows what you don't. So don't hold yourself responsible, you know, to know everything. 
I needed a Will and a Brian to coach me and speak into this. So I'm in the room trying to work out, you know, like God dreams, they kind of let you know how to do yeah. it. You know, we're, we're just spinning our wheels for like a month trying to get down the road. And I said, oh, time out, time out, time out. You know what? These guys wrote the book. Let's call them. And through that relationship, we invited them in. And that was a great, great, great process. That has brought clarity to us that we never had. It's given us language of our own that we never had. You know, we just we just layered Willow Creek's statement over us, you know. How, uh, how many years, years did you guys have Willow Creek's statement as your— Probably 26, 27 years, okay. that, you know, or, yeah. you know, just— I can't even hardly remember it anymore because we're so used to our new one. But it was, you know, it was just that whole idea of of, of um, taking unchurched people and turning them into fully yeah. devoted followers yeah. of Christ and this type of thing. I mean, that was at our heart. Yeah. What is but, it about this new mission that, that? Well, it was really based out of Isaiah sixty-one, mm-hmm. and when we got together with you guys in the room, I mean that that was the underlying that Jesus didn't just come to preach good news. I always say the good news is better than I ever thought it was because mm-hmm. it's not just about the forgiveness of my sin, but just grit your teeth till you get home one day because yeah. there's not a whole lot in between to expect. The good news said, "Here's part of the good news: I've come to bind up the brokenhearted." Hmm. You can't go through life without getting a broken heart. And I want to speak into that, Jesus said. And not only that, but I've come to release the prisoners. Well, who are the prisoners? Most of us are imprisoned by our our own patterns of sin. And even though we've been forgiven, hmm. that stuff didn't just fall away. And so most of us have been trying to figure out how to manage our way out of our sin since the moment we came to Jesus. And then he said, I've also come to release the oppressed. And that's that whole freedom piece that people need to be delivered from some of this stuff. That's what he said he came to do. And you guys helped us crystallize that. We we are a church. I'm sure we are the only church in the world that has our mission statement, and that's as it should be. Absolutely. Because that's who he called us to be. We are inviting, because there's that evangelistic heartbeat. Right. Broken world people. Right. And in there, you know, we unpack that with our church that, man, we all can, we know the world's broken. Right. And, uh, and our world right around us is broken. But, you know, there's an element of my world that's still broken. So inviting broken world people to experience, not just in head knowledge, we're talking about an encounter with yeah. Jesus, to experience uh, complete freedom. Now, Why complete freedom? Well, it's the whole idea that, it, you know, when I, when I preach it, it's beyond forgiveness. Hmm. Jesus came to do more than just cancel the penalty of your sin. He came to break the chains that are still holding you. He wants, mm-hmm. and not only that, and, and we can't say that maybe it's ever complete in this life, but I'm telling you yeah. what, I could take to you a lot of people in our church now that you could, I could, I could tell you stories that will knock your socks off of the before right. and the after. Yeah. And the word they would use for it is I'm walking in freedom today. Mm. It's the difference between the alcoholic that can tell you, I haven't had a drink in five years, but boy, I get up thinking about it yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah. I go, I'm not sure that's freedom. Yeah. You're free from the consequences because you're not drinking. Mm. But what what is it that's causing you to continue to desire that every day? Wouldn't it be great to be free of that? And I'm finding that when we allow the Lord to heal the wounds of the heart that are keeping us susceptible mm. to the medications we've used all our lives. Yeah. Whoo, changes. And I've got people, I can tell you story after story after story, complete freedom in Christ Jesus. And so we've got our own- Yeah, inviting broken world people, people to, experience to experience complete freedom, freedom in Christ, Christ Jesus. Jesus. 
That's I remember awesome. the Christ Jesus moment too. It was, yeah. it was not Jesus Christ, not Jesus, not Christ, but it was kind of this more formal. Yes. We usage. wanted to be clear yeah. about yeah. Christ, the anointed one. Who is that? Well, his name is Jesus. Yeah. But Christos, we, you know, you, you go into the Jewish communities, you know, or, or Messianics. Yeah. They know who the Messiah is. So that Christos speaks to mm-hmm. the anointed one who makes this happen. And that's very important to us. And that's kind of like, that defines who Jesus is. So I prefer the Christ Jesus, you know. I can see it. I know our listeners right now can hear it. There's passion as you unpack yeah. that mission. Yeah. There's, there's life to every word. There's meaning to every word. Tell us, you know, I mean, what's that mean to you as a lead pastor? Lead pastors know that leadership gets really tough hmm. if you're not clear and you're not passionate about yeah. what, what you are you supposed to be How does it get tough if you're not well, clear? Well, I'm going, I've lost my way a few times. It's almost like I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing now. Where are we headed? And not only that, but then you have all the staff issues of people feeling like they got their own agendas and they've got this going yeah. and this guy. Are we really marching together here yeah. around something that's clear? One of the greatest things you do is give them an opportunity to get like 14 of my best leaders in the room to help shape this thing. And then that you can filter it out through people. And then we've preached it with our people. And people are talking the same language and they're excited yeah. about it. And you've put the measurements around it. We've got an idea yeah. of, of, of what that means and what it looks like. And you you got a way to say, hey, does that fit? Yeah. When somebody raises an idea, you know, it, it just has brought this, you know, never be lacking in zeal. Paul said in Romans, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your own spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And I've always said, whose job is it to keep my heart fired up? And uh, it's my job. <laughs> but I know that one of the things that helps me get there is when I can wake up in the morning and I'm very clear about who I am and what I'm doing here. And, you know, when you lose that sense of clarity, there's enough junk that goes on in ministry that you're going, I- I'm not sure why I'm doing this. And then, like I say, if you, if the troops are off doing their own thing too. Yeah. You guys help just bring this Good. focus, this this clarity, and then a vision. You know, we talk of that, you know, beyond the horizon and all of the different pieces. Oh my good goodness. It's it's changed our church. Wow. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned you kind of you kind of ran through it, but there was there's there's something in there about bringing your leaders together in a collaborative process to shape this vision language. That's what you guys did really well. Well, I, I, I talk to leaders all the time, and I think there's a lot of pastors, and maybe it's that young pastor again that's listening, that, that doesn't really, like, I can do this. Why does this need to take a period of months? Why does this need to take a year? I mean, you know, why is it important for you kind of as a, as a seasoned, wise pastor who's had a bunch of years of experience and a lot of I mean, what uh, any any markers of success we can point to, um, you know, you've seen it at Northwoods. You could have, you know, called Will. You guys could have gone on a conference call. You could have, you know, holed up. Why was it important for you to have your team in the room? Yeah, young pastors, listen to me right now. <laughs> I'm going to give you the John Maxwell. My name is John. I'm here to help you. You sound a lot like John Maxwell. Because <laughs> I got that voice yeah. today. I was up screaming for my Packers last night. Yeah, he's wearing a Packers yeah. hoodie right now. The Packers, I was just as we record this, they just won a nail biter at the end. Like I've been to two like nail they, biters. They this always year. do. Two nail biters. And I'm going, I'm tired of the heart attack. Yeah. I'm going, I'm not sure that the 57 minutes of being upset with them is worth the three minutes at the end that gets me there, yeah. you know? But anyway, um, 
collaboration, working with the team. I'm, I'm, I'm with my son on the way back from that game today. We yeah. spent the night on, you know, on the road and then, and then, uh, and I told him one of the things you do better than I do, because I was never taught yeah. this. I think the us older guys, I'm almost 60 now. We kind of learn leadership as kind of like that Moses model of going to the mountain hmm. and getting that vision from God and coming down and telling everybody. I think I, I think the guy's my my son's age. He's 30, 30 right now. Turned 31 here in January. I get excited when I watch the way they collaborate. I go, man, I wish I would have had a little bit more of that. Why? Why? What is it? It's the excitement of 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 and I, I told him there is a place for you to go to the mountain. There's gonna be series that are on your heart that you gotta just say, Hey, yeah, God wants me to speak this yeah. and help them know why. But I just see the the joy of people coming together, a team getting to do this together. It's like they're not even they're not only having more fun because they're getting to create together. Yeah. But there's just this sense of celebration at the end of it. Of look, man, look at what God did, you know? And I'm going, I think that's what created that. There is a loneliness in leadership anyway, but I think that's what created even more loneliness for me at times. And because I was Moses going to the mountain, I'm coming down and somebody's disagreeing with me and I'm going, line up under Moses, let's go. Yeah. And I'm going, no, they just needed to be a part of the process, I think. And uh, and so I'm just saying to that young leader, man, the more people you can bring in there, I'm not saying let them set the, I can't preach somebody else's messages. Right. Okay. And if there's something really on my heart, it's got to come out of my heart. But boy, I can have a lot of collaboration around the language we can use around that and some of the creativity we can put into that. And it's going to be the better. organizational pieces you're saying yeah. can be highly collaborative, even if Absolutely. the sermon itself doesn't. So, so a lot of pastors think, well, because I have to be so singularly focused on the sermon that I should lead in that way in every realm. Right. But no, there was something, Brian, you were in the room. And it was a significant moment for me. Because, a breakthrough moment. Yeah. Uh, because they don't know at that point that I've got questions in my mind about how far I'm going to go. Now, we're starting to talk of transition language, but it's not necessarily translation transition out. It's maybe transition up. And to, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. You're I'm, that whole what's next and yes, you're looking absolutely forward. absolutely I am. There's a lot in your heart and your mind in And this I'm sitting there meetings. going, I'm, I'm confused as to how much my voice— should should influence a process and a vision and a mission yeah. that I'm not going to be around here leading. I'm like Moses getting ready to climb, yeah. climb Nebo, not that I'm going to knock off and die, but I'm going, Joshua's going to be leading this. I'm not going to be here to do this. Right. How much should I influence this? And then I had that idea. I thought, I'm not sure everybody in this room owns that word and spirit piece. Do you remember? I stopped and I said, I've often wondered, do the healing ministries, deliverance ministries, freedom ministries, doing what Jesus did, all of those things that now make Northwoods what they are and people would point to to say, this is fantastic. I go, I'm not so sure that all of those things go away when Cal's no longer here. Because I'm not, I'm not saying you don't own it. I just don't know that you do. Right. And there was a moment in that room, I think that took people's breath away. And you don't know how refreshing it was for me to hear a team going, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's why I'm here. Yeah. They I'm started telling their own personal story. Yeah, and I'm not sure why I had to ask that question. But my goodness, mm. that was life-giving to me to know that this team was going, Cal, 
That's the DNA of this church, and we're here because of that. Yes, you brought it, but holy cow, we don't want you feeling like you're just climbing that yeah. thing by yourself. Yeah. That was, you know, to go out of there going, wow, that feels like they would fight for those values. Yeah. That's not just me coming down from a mountain and say, own these. Yeah. You know, so it feels like, wow, this church, these ministries, the DNA is going to continue mm. because the team owns it. It's not just, well, Cal told us we had to do that. Yeah. That's one of the things Will said in the very first episode is like a lot of what we do in the church today, you know, a lot of the leadership from the from the senior leader, you know, a lot of the language doesn't get past anyone who we pay to be there, right? Yeah. And they they own it to the extent that they're paid to own it yeah. versus just kind of knowing that it's deeply rooted. Absolutely. And that collaboration, that moment, that breakthrough moment in there, I, I remember it distinctly. It was it was a turning point for us and how we could talk about things and how even yeah. how you led from there to being you had even more freedom to say, yes. okay, let me let me tell you Absolutely. some of the dreams I see, right. you know. And so that was Absolutely. That was pretty amazing. What were some of those other moments, you know, for you as you look ahead? And and I think um there's probably a lot of leaders listening right now who are in that season of saying, Okay, I see a future for the church. I'm not sure what my role is in this. Uh, but I see a future there. What are some of those other moments for you that were just kind of that transferable? And this is this is what I see. This is what God is doing. Well, I I think it's the freedom of knowing that you when you can bless the gifts. I'm I'm saying all things being equal, we've got we've got the character. The when we talk about the three C's of yeah. who needs to be on the team, yeah. so you got the character, the competency, the chemistry. Yeah. There's a culture piece in there, and yeah. I think maybe this is what that was speaking to. It was so rewarding for me to feel like, man, I got the right people on the team, and I got mm-hmm. the right seats on the bus filled and this type of thing. And then this stuff can sometimes start sorting out. Yeah. You, know, you got those secret thoughts. Me, I'm not sure that person's altogether on. Mm-hmm. So there was some of that. Yeah. You start to see. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. What do you mean? We shouldn't be afraid of, of of surfacing that stuff, because if there's somebody on the team who's not in step, who doesn't, that's have, not in yeah. step. Yeah. That just kind of, and we got to we got to have those conversations, crucial yeah. conversations around why, what's going on here. Yeah, and I think the biggest one for us, and 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 so I'm saying to leaders, don't be afraid. Yeah, to find out whether you got the right people on the team. Yeah, I, I think had, sometimes uh, we avoid those conversations. Absolutely, we? we do. I, I I'm going to say you you had a question on some of this stuff as we were talking about this. I, um, I avoided. I felt like I couldn't live without a staff person. Yeah, and avoided dealing with it for almost uh, 15 years. Hmm. I, I could take you to a journal where I outlined all the same issues that were still issues 15 years later. Yeah, and I would say my reason for not doing it, I was afraid I couldn't live without his gifts, even though. It was producing pain yeah. in my staff. Yeah. So I'm going fear-based decisions one way or another. Yeah. It's fear leading it. Yeah. We're to cast, you know, your, your guy was just talking to us in terms of my transition. Yeah. We're to cast our faith forward and cast your fears backwards. Yeah. And what happens in transitions, we start casting our fears forward and casting our now faith say, backwards. Say that again. Will, you're talking about Will Heath. Yes. You guys are walking through some succession planning, yep. right? You know, again, trying to set that roadmap out is, you know, yep. even though it's in the distance, yep. you know, trying to, trying to do that. And so Will Heath said what to you there? 
He started the whole thing, the whole session. With all of our lives, we've, we've been about, we're to cast our faith forward. Hmm. I'm looking at, did I know when God called me at 17? I didn't have the money to go to college. My dad, meager income as a farmer. We had 10 kids. If we're going to pay for college, you pay yourself. Yeah. I'm, I can just tell you, I cast my faith forward, and I have miracle after miracle after miracle story of provision where God said, I called you, and I'm showing you. Okay, cast. I didn't allow my fear. Well, I don't have the money, so I can't go to school. Yeah. I cast my faith, and I went because God called me. I have done that all my life. All my Planning life. a church. All, all my yeah. life. Even in this church, we got to do that project. Mm-hmm. I know I don't want to do a stewardship campaign. I don't know how to do it. Well, let's get a coach. Yeah. We did that multiple times. Done four of them. Some of the best moments of my life. I was casting my faith forward because God was telling us. And what happens at transitions, I don't care what they are, we can very subtly start going, I'm casting my fear forward. I'm not, I don't know how to do that. I, what if it doesn't work? We start. What if I don't get the provision? Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. Best case scenario. We've lived off that right. in faith. Okay. And now you. I'm yeah. stuck. And the reality is, I'm no longer living by faith. Yeah. I'm letting my fear dictate. Pastors do that all the time when it comes time to. It's clear that we probably need to make a transition. Well, what's the church going to say if we do that? If we let this guy go, yeah. if we. You're no longer thinking about, well, what God's, what's God calling you to? Who's he going to send? Hmm. And I let my fear of what that moment's going to feel like just keep me stuck. And you guys don't know. You, you created some problems for me. <laughs> uh, Clarity when, changes everything. Yeah, That's what we when say. When we had a little bit of, now this would be one yeah. for some of you that may be in multi-site. We, we had to decide we're all about reaching as many people as we can. Um. But we weren't. We were using multi-site, and it was effective. But that really wasn't my heart. I'm going. What do you mean? Why? Well, I I love the fact. How that did you start doing it? We're, if, we're yeah. dropping a screen, and people yeah. are watching yeah. Cal and all this. Yeah. I'm going. Does that make sense long term? It was a model that was effective, and you guys were seeing yes. that, right? But I'm going. Does that is that part of my flesh? I, I I love being the guy that's on that screen. I mean, there's probably some of that. I'm glad God using the teaching gift for that. But I'm going long term. Or if we start, you know, we get three hours away from here yeah. to a community that you guys basically said, you're just reacting to places where you already have people inviting you to come. True, because we already have 100 people who are saying, hey, we don't want to have to drive in. Could you guys come out here and do a multi-site? And we thought that was being evangelistic aggressive. And you showed us, no, you're just, you're being responsive to where there's already that kind of, yeah. uh, of invitation. Yeah. We were saying, no, 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 we're a different model. And it became clear to us, if we're going to reach Illinois, we need to just start looking now, what's God doing in different cities out there or beyond Illinois? And that's what causes us to say, is multi-site the way to go? Who cares about who Kelrickner is three hours away from here? Yeah. And if it's about get the greatest teaching you can get, well, then let's just take the five voices today that are blowing up the country with their 150,000 people coming to church. Why don't we plug them in? Right. No, my heart has always been the best thing to do for any community is plant a church. You want to change a community, plant a church. And and I'm going to be transitioning out. Does it make sense to build that upon my voice? 
we can transfer the DNA. Here, here's what you guys helped me get clear about. I want to help raise up young pastors who have a call to preach the gospel like I did when I was 17. Mm. I want to pour into their lives. And I want to give them a city like somebody gave me Peoria mm. and say, I want you to go there. And if God's calling you there, we're going to get behind you. You plant a church that's going to be life-giving, and you take. I want the thumbprint on them with the values that we have. You take that and plant that, and God will use it. I would rather 20 years from now be looking back at 20 pastors that I help raise up rather than know, hey, we had 20 churches that dropped a screen and listened to Cal Rickner. Hmm. Those 20 pastors will still be pastoring, and I want them to raise up other people. So it really became about, we're about going to these communities and we'll plant churches. And it's changed everything about us now. We're now, we're now developing a church planting school, which we wouldn't be doing if it was just about dropping a screen and yeah. projecting Cal. And I'm going, I'm thrilled about this. We're going to, and it's going to change, our, our denomination is going to use it. And we're going to have the opportunity to pour in these young people that have a call to preach the gospel. That's somebody totally different that I just need somebody to run a church over here so I can yeah. keep dropping the screen. You're talking right? about the difference in a church planner and a campus pastor. That's right. Someone to administrate, which is needed in that's that great. setting. If that's your model, that's But great. you're saying your heart has always been, and maybe it was not expressing that, but I do remember the moment where it was kind of like be, the shift. I want right? to be a father to these yeah. guys, you know, yeah. and, and I can do that the rest of my life. Yeah. And and I'm going, really? There. Let's, let's talk about this because sometimes— I get, I, listen, I'm, I, I still have four multi-sites. Yeah. They've been effective in reaching people. Yeah. And the people that are running those, that's great. They don't have that teaching gift, and they, they're glad they can do what they're doing. Um, so we're probably going to keep that, those four, but they're going to help us plant. So we're going to be centers to plant from. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. rather than, they got here's where I'm saying it kind of caused some angst. Because they're going like, what, are we going to go away? You're going to just throw us out there on our own? You know, all these kind of yeah, scenarios yeah. that we've had to really work through. I think there's probably some fear, too, that I sensed, you know, in in facilitating and navigating some of those sessions where you you had preached multi-site, multi-site, multi-site for so long, and you yeah. had cast vision for that yeah. for so long. Now you had that tension yeah. of— It felt like a shift. Yeah. And, and you had to come to grips with internally— being okay, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but you had to come become okay with saying, on some levels, yeah, I change. It feels like I changed my mind, but let me tell you, I've never changed. My I've heart. never changed yeah. my mind. I am glad we have the multi sites, and there's a part of me that's thrilled that that's expanding my voice and this type yeah. of thing. But when we chose our templates way back at the front, yeah, said, yeah. who are we? Yeah, that was just kind of some of the way we were doing things, but that's mm-hmm. not really who we were. So I'm going. We're not married to a particular way of doing it. That's, yeah. that's if, if, but it really became when you guys pointed out that through our multi site methodology, we're just being responsive to where there's already people inviting us to yeah. come. Yeah. Well, that's fine if there are people within a half hour of here, you know, this type yeah. of thing. But when it comes to be evangelistically aggressive and just, uh, I think it was called gospel saturation. Yeah. It was like, we want to reach Illinois. Geographic gospel saturation. We drew That's the state right. up there and we talked about the heart That's of central right. Illinois. And I said, and I believe the best way to do that is through planting churches. I want people who yeah. represent us, who have our heart, but have a clear call to preach. Yeah. Go do it. 
And one of the things that happened, I mean, I've heard of a, a great church in Atlanta that, that the pastor, I know him, large church, but he had actually written an article about why we don't do multi-site. I remember reading that, going, why, why wouldn't you? You guys could do it very well. And something happened here while we were in one of the towns where we were going to plant a multi-site that said everything I needed to know. Now, there's probably other ways to skin the cat I, yeah. before I say this. But on a particular weekend in that community, a, um, a building blew up, took the life of somebody. And it was, you know, this is a town of 6,000. Mm-hmm. It's a major deal. Mm-hmm. That wasn't in my preaching plan. I think we probably just preached and went by that. It might have been acknowledged in the announcements. Hey, those of you in Canton, sorry about what happened over there or whatever. But you know what Canton needed for a while? Is a pastor speaking into that? Even through the sermon. Yeah. We're in that location. Now, if I had a pastor there that, I, that really had a preaching gift, I would have just said, you know what? For the next month or two, you just speak into that. Hmm. Why God lets bad things you know, yeah. happen yeah. to good people and yeah. the community's grieving and, and this and that. And I'm going, he was making the case that there's no one central place. You, know, you can preach the gospel from there, but there's no one central place that can speak uh, that directly yeah. to the kinds of things that that community needs. And I thought, that's... That's a great word. I understand that. And so I, I, I'm saying it doesn't mean multi-site's yeah. a bad way to go. It is saying, you know, there's going to be times you probably need pastors over there that are speaking into what that community needs right now. You know, I, I, the, the challenge would be just because our campus needs, a, let's say, needs a, a stewardship campaign. Yeah. Does that mean every campus needs a stewardship campaign? You got to throw them a bone somehow if you're going to ask them for money, right? I, mean, that, I remember being in those conversations in multi-site. It's like, hey, we've got to do this work. We've got to build a building for this one campus out right. there. How are we going to How are we going to throw a bone in here right. for this campus over here so they feel like they're included in that versus being able to really just speak to the need and 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 do that? Now right. I know that you've got years of systems though built on multi-site, right? You've got technology, you've got mm-hmm. systems. Mm-hmm. Really, what you're saying is, is you're you're moving to a hybrid model. We called it, I think, the, yeah. the spoke kind of and hub model, model right? Yeah. Where, you know, yeah. each one of these campuses that exist now, each one of the five yep. existing campuses, including this, the one where you're at here, become kind of these outposts yes. for planting in right. different ways. What is, how, how's, how's it been to lead that little shift? Has that been some tension That's, there? Yeah, is it? absolutely okay. has been. Like I say, it, it caused the staff tension. Caused, but what it, about it processes and systems? Well, we are at a place where there's no question. We can't add one more yeah. multi-site. Yeah. Everything changed. You know, yeah. there, there comes a point where all the dominoes fall. Yeah. Yeah. And what has happened in Again, here? Right? Yes. <laughs> and it's like, this is, we're maxed. Right. Something happens out here at this multi-site, mm-hmm. guess what? They need the expertise of the hub here mm-hmm. at, at our Peoria campus. So that means Discovery Land's responding to those things. IT's responding to those things. Creative Arts is responding to those things. You see, because they really depend upon the expertise of the, we don't want to say the main, they don't like us to say main campus, but of the Peoria campus. And, and, and I prefer uh, to use mothership. And they, and they pay, mm-hmm. yeah, and they and they pay for those kind of services, but never cover. Yeah, they think they are, 
they have no idea what they'd have to pay if they had to go out and do find themselves the kind of expertise that they're getting mm-hmm. from our staff. And so what's happened is it, it, it's uh, once, and, I, and again, I loved having that director there, but once it was clear that he couldn't go with us and we removed that, we now have one of our multi-site pastors pastoring the others. Okay. Yeah. And we have now been able to bring systems together that we were saying, guys, it's no longer okay for you just do your own thing in this particular arena. Let's say in, say in creative arts. Mm-hmm. We're going to sing our own songs. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I was finding out those songs don't represent us at all. Yeah. Why are we doing that? Well, that's because, you know, yeah. there were a lot of reasons for it. But now... We've, we've said, we are going to make sure that we are all marching together. Right. And I'm going, just that decision and that clarity and that commitment has brought a sense of, oh, I, I think we can do this now. Yeah. So at the same time, you're strengthening your multi-sites and yes. bringing them even in tighter alignment. You're also raising up a generation of young leaders yep. to go be sent from those Absolutely. campuses, from yep. this campus here. Yeah, we see a great the small town. We see a great value in them in in the sense that hey, there's going to be some series that that we we can let them uh, kind of do a series on their own. Where are we going to use these these guys that we're trying to you know that they have that call to preach? Yeah. Let's put them out there in our multi sites, give them the opportunity in a smaller venue to have Safe opportunity place, to preach. Right? Uh, worship leaders have an opportunity to lead worship. Yeah. Children directors have, so uh, they really give us a, a. You've actually got training grounds. It's our farm system, man. Yeah, you've got it's a our farm, farm system. system. Yeah. So we said, what's not to like about that? Yeah. Let's. let's it gives us an opportunity to see if people can thrive in what we have already. I want to have that kind of confidence for the person I'm sending out there to plant a church. So, so looking back now, you've got this dream of this, the heart of central Illinois, you know, being impacted by churches yep. carrying our DNA, yep. that word and spirit culture, the forgiveness and freedom that's found only in Christ. Yep. I mean, you can see it. It's You can see it begin to happen. Um, think back to that car trip where you first heard Dr. Dobson and, and, and Bill <laughs> Hybels, you know, and, and how God has brought you on that journey. Oh. If you could go back to that first year, you know, that first year here in Peoria and tell yourself one thing as that leader, you go to go to Cal, you know, in year one or two, you know, those early years, and you could tell yourself one thing, knowing where you are today and what you see God has on the horizon then, but also looking back now, what would you say? There's a couple things in there. First of all, be who you are. Hmm. I wanted to be Bill so bad, you know. I wanted to be this and that. Now, listen, you I spent have, a lot of years doing things that, yeah. in some ways, denied who you were. The yeah. word and spirit piece. Yeah. Yep. The the, the who, raising up leaders piece. Be who you are, and under and, and 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 dream big. You know, for me, it's like, um, the the joy I have in my heart today is that I really did get to experience dreams that, you know what, that's all they were one day. And before you ever live them, you're going, am I ever going to get to see that? And I mean, that's the joy for me today is that that God who placed that seed in your heart wants to bring it to fruition. You know, Ephesians 3 tells us he can, he can do 
exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or drink or dream. All I can ask or drink. All I can ask or dream. But sometimes you have to drink. You have to drink to get dream, there. You right? know, sometimes. But I'm I'm just saying. Um. I would tell that young man. Uh, don't turn your mouth against yourself. What do you mean? No, I, I, how how much time I've spent beating myself up for what I wasn't and what I couldn't do and what I might not, mm-hmm. you know, don't turn your mouth against yourself. Find out who you are and then let just let that grow in light of who the Father has made you. Mm-hmm. Speak to that man the way the Father's speaking to you. Believe him for all he's put in your heart. And... uh you'll end up seeing those dreams come to fruition. You'll be at the end going, man, I'm glad I didn't sabotage myself getting there. I probably have a few times, but I'm saying ultimately I didn't. And uh, I can say, Lord, you've been so faithful. It's been more than I could have dreamed. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Hey, you bet. I love that. I ask every, every interview, Three questions, kind of keeps them consistently from uh, podcast to podcast. Here's number yeah. one. What's one daily or regular habit you practice that keeps you close to the heart of God? I um, have long, that's how the Lord's worked with me. I can't do ministry uh, in an inauthentic way. I'm not going to get up and yeah. preach about how everybody else needs to be praying and yeah. not be praying yeah. myself. Yeah. So I've always had at least an hour in the morning that I just sit with God and allow him speak into me first. Lord, is there anything? Search me, like David said. I don't want to be hiding sin in my life. I don't want to be pretending. But about a couple of years ago, even beyond that, was the book, The the, the Hour That Changes the World by Dick Eastman. You know, our minds tend to need some tracks to run on. Mm-hmm. And I, I just took hold of that that yes, I'm still going to be reading the word and this type of thing, but I want there to be a specific hour of focused prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been doing that. I've I've logged uh, uh, hundreds of hours over the last couple of years uh, uh, around that track. I just want to say if there's some of you who struggle with like your prayer life in terms of my mind just wanders and I, you know, it's a great way. It's 12 five-minute segments and what keeps it alive is that, you know, those segments are, yeah, they're yeah. watching is going to be watching and, and the word's going to be, you know, how, all these different things, but but it's never the same. Daily. So provide some structure yeah. That, yeah. that allows each and It just allows to flow. So for, you know, like summer times, I'm out walking for that hour. You know, mm-hmm. I just add some walking and taking in the outdoors. And, but I get, it's, it, you know, that, that time with the Lord's never been theory for me. Mm-hmm. I have I have said uh, told my kids as they were as we were doing this journey over the course of time too. I, I want you to know your dad doesn't do what he does just because he's a pastor. If I was a garbage man driving a garbage truck, bus driver, farmer, I don't care what I do what I do because Jesus Christ saved me. He's my savior. And I want you to see, you know, I want you to understand that. And I just have to do this because you know I'm a pastor. All my kids love the Lord today. It's great. You're serving in ministry alongside you too. Yeah, I, mean, I got two of my powerful, sons yeah. on staff, but I'm going. It's so cool. My daughters have been impacted recently by the freedom ministry around here. One who's just had a snag in her soul with my mm. my wife, you know, with her mama. Yeah, 
just like, it's so cool when your kids go, dad, we can't find a church like yours. And why don't, why don't other churches have this stuff, you know? And, yeah. and so that's so cool. Why don't other but churches have the freedom ministries? I don't know that they understand it or believe that it's all that necessary, or maybe it takes them, you know, you have to steward it. Maybe yeah. it takes them into places messy. that it's, it can be messy, but I just, uh, it, it's a thrill for me to see my kids walking mm-hmm. with the Lord. I didn't lose them along the way. I, I was, I was leading a large ministry but I was not going to sacrifice my family for it. So when I hear people say, oh, you got to do 100 hours if you're going to play, 100 hours a week, if you're gonna, I said, no, that's coming out of something in you that's not healed. Yeah. You, you can give God your best, but part of that is giving your best to the family as well. And your kids will rise up and call you blessed at the end of the day. I, I'm telling you, the joy of my heart for a wife and for kids to say, when you'd be up there speaking, Avis, and my wife said, I'm, gonna, I'm not just hearing my husband. I'm, I'm hearing my pastor. But at the end of the day, they go, but you were always the same person at home. That, that touches me at a deep level. And it was because they knew where dad was going to be in the morning. They had but to walk down. They knew where my chair was, and they knew what was going on there. And they still talk about that today. I got another question, but I think I've already asked it. So I, I think we should just end right here. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful place to end with um, the idea that you're you're not going to leave a legacy. You're living it real time for your kids, for your church, and for your community, and really for your state. And so, um, can I say, can I say this, Brian? I yeah. think I've always felt this that people who worry about a legacy that's the problem. You live out of your heart what God's called you to live, and your legacy will take care of itself. That's it. That's it. That's over. I I don't know a better way to end uh, than that right there. Thank you for listening to My Ministry Breakthrough from the Oxano Podcast Network. You can head over to myministrybreakthrough.com to join the conversation and access our show notes including the books or other resources mentioned in this episode. If you enjoy hearing these stories of ministry breakthrough, we would be honored if you would subscribe, rate, and even leave a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. Thanks again for listening.